Hello and welcome to Late Night Talks, a weekly podcast talking to science fiction and fantasy authors about their creative process and how they got started in publishing. I talk to traditionally published and self-published authors about their influences, their inspirations and their latest work. My guest this evening is Steve McHugh. He's the author of the Heliquin Chronicles, the Avalon Chronicles, and the Rebellion Chronicles. Steve is published by 47 North, which is Amazon's science fiction and fantasy imprint. He originally started with self-publishing and then moved into this area. So we talk about that and everything else in his publishing journey. This interview with Steve was originally recorded in October 2020. Since then, he's got a new series, the Riftborn series, starting with the first book, The Last Raven, which is coming out from Podium. It's currently available now on Amazon through ebook, audiobook and paperback. Hello. 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 Hello, internet people. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Right. So let's get to some questions. Here's a good one to start off with. How did you get into uh, reading fantasy? And then how did you get into writing it? Oh, uh, reading is, uh, that was to do with my teacher at school. Um, My English teacher, his name was Mr. Piercy. And uh, every week we had to read a book for like an English project. And we had to write what we read and a little bit about it. And I did like six weeks and every single one of them was one of the Ian, Ian Livingston, Steve Jackson, Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yes. They were great. Loved them. Yep. And my teacher, Mr. Pierce, he took me to one side and said, Steve, uh, I'm, I'm glad you found your niche, <laughs> but you need to read something that isn't a Choose Your Own Adventure book. And he said, I said, oh, all right. Then he said, go next door to the library and grab two, any two books you like and then come back and, and those will be your next books. And I picked up Terry Pratchett's uh man at arms men at arms and uh um a gemel book i can't think what one it was um and i devoured them and promptly went down the library and devoured everything else that they had by them and stephen king and dean coots and oh uh, and rice and anybody else at the time yeah and that was it i was hooked I, I wanted to be a writer i wanted to read everything i could find and that's pretty much why i uh love reading fantasy and science fiction and horror and and why i ended up writing it i, I just read what they wrote and was like this is what i want to do <laughs> and that was that that's right when i grew up a writer yeah yeah and then i did bugger all for years <laughs> it was one of these people who just said one day i'm going to be a writer and i didn't didn't write it. i just wrote bits right uh but uh yeah, and then and then I turned twenty five, and my oldest daughter was born, and I was like, okay, now it's shit. I'll get off the pot time, really, uh, and that's when I kind of started to take it seriously. So, what drew you to urban fantasy? Did you start reading a lot of that, and then think, oh, this is this is different and contemporary, but fantasy? And yeah, I saw I read Hellblazer a mm-hmm. lot. Yes, um, and loved Hellblazer. And then from Hellblazer, I kind of got into reading Jim Butcher and uh, the first few Anita Blake books and, uh, and stuff like that. And, and, but, but Hellblazer was like, yeah, I could write a book about magic and stuff, but in modern day. <laughs> um, and that's sort of where my urban fantasy... Weirdly enough, I don't read an awful lot of urban fantasy. Mm. I find... I don't know if it's because I write it, I don't want to read it and then be like, oh, that's a really good idea. I'm going to pinch that or subconsciously pinch it anyway. 
so I tend to not read a lot of urban fantasy, but I read a lot of fantasy and and um, science fiction and things like that. But I still read a lot of uh, comics and especially hell, hell anything with Constantine in it is an automatic read. I think. Right. Yeah. I think he's one of my favourite characters ever. Um, that was the first character I realised that the hero can be an absolute bastard. Yes. Yeah. Have you read the Mike Carey um, urban fantasy books, the Felix Castle yes. ones? Yeah, they were excellent. Wonderful. Um, I remember seeing Mike at a convention a few years ago and basically telling him to write the last one because they'd finished and there was a cliffhanger. Like, I've done man, that. Gotta... <laughs> Every time <laughs> I see him, I go, I say, Mike, I'm going to ask you that question again. He goes, what question? I said, you get, when are you going to write the last Felix Castor book? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I keep, you know, we're talking about it. And then this, he does something else. And then he kind of gets distracted. Like he puts out uh, the Guild of all the Gifts. And that's yes. brilliant. It's done really well. Like, right. do another one. Oh, oh, oh I'll put Castor back. And then and they do something else. And then Book of Coley. Oh, it's a trilogy. I better do that then. Uh, so yeah. I don't know when we'll get the last Castor book. I'm hoping we do, because that left on a huge cliffhanger and... Loved those books. They were they were essentially Constantine. Yes, but outside of the, a DC universe, he was allowed to do what he wanted. And um, I mean, they were both from Liverpool. They were both very similar. Mm-hmm. They had very similar traits. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, which, considering he was writing Constant Hellblazer at the time that like he wrote, he wrote the first book, I think, or just before, just around that time, is not overly surprising that he had stories that he couldn't write for Hellblazer, so he kind of turned it into his own. Mm. I'm not saying that's what he did. No, no, not at reading all. them. Uh, you get the impression that that's, this, is, this is Constantine, and I'm fine with that because it, it's Constantine. When his Hellblazer run, sorry, was um, was great. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, so then I started looking at your back catalogue, and, and this is what I've seen so far. You've done seven books in the Helicon Chronicles, yeah. three in the Avalon Chronicles. Yeah. And three in the Rebellion Chronicles, and the third book of that comes out this December and wraps up the whole kind of thing for the for yes. now. Yeah. And I was going to ask this question, but Justin also asked it, and he said that when he first wrote Crimes Against Magic, the first book, did you have a plan for where it would go, or were you just going to write one and see? Uh, I did have a plan. I originally had this huge plan uh this sprawling kind of like 20 book epic kind of thing jim butcher style yeah yeah like properly just <laughs> massive numbers of books and then it got to about book five and i was like right half of these plots are just the same plot in different places so this is silly can't write 20 books where i'm like this is totally different to the last book but it's nothing a lot different to the last book at all um and a lot of them started merging into one another and 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 then I got to, to the last book of the Helicon Chronicles and my publisher said, we know that you want to do this with this character next, but we'd like to relaunch it with a new number one. Can you finish this series? And I said yes, which was probably a bit foolish because then I got lots of people yelling at me because book seven finishes on a bit of a cliffhanger. <laughs> um, uh, if, 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 it's not a huge spoiler to say that book seven does finish on a bit of a cliffhanger. That's not resolved until the first yeah. book of the Rebellion Chronicles. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's fine. Oh, that's fine. I will do that. I will, I will, I will end it there and then do this. And I'm sure people will be not mad at me. People were mad at me. <laughs> people were real mad. Uh, so yeah, I did have a, a huge kind of arc in mind. Um, and I do have ideas for more future stories. 
but some of the stuff that was originally going to be a, a full-length book have turned into a novella, and right. it suits the novella format quite well. Um, so yeah, I, I I quite enjoyed writing the big long epic, but I don't I don't know if I want to do another big long thirteen book epic. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be known as that guy. Oh, he writes these massive sprawling epic stories mostly because they're really hard to remember all the bits you did in the first few books when you get to the last few books yeah yeah i can't imagine trilogies are hard enough uh yeah when it comes to like book 12 you start to be like uh what 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 was the color of their hair <laughs> sort of thing you need like a fan uh, wiki someone to make a wiki for yeah yeah you. i have an excel spreadsheet and even occasionally i'll, I'll go on it and i'll go i left that blank Oh, Jesus oh no. Christ, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. So, uh, so no, but uh, I did. I, I did plan on a huge sprawling epic. Just um, it uh, anyway it worked out that well that my publisher just let me basically, mm. which was nice. Did you ever need like a break between books? Because I know but- Jim Butcher. People said, "Oh, why do you write faster?" And he's like, "Sometimes I need a break." from Dresden I have to go and do something else otherwise I'm just going to kill him and end the series <laughs> yeah yeah I I would write a book and then I would do nothing I, I I'd write a book in about three months and then I'd do nothing for a month basically uh, yeah well, I did nothing to do with that book anyway I'd write little bits of other stuff I'd work on other books and other worlds and, and stuff and and then I'd go back to it when the edits came back in six weeks two months later whatever it was yeah but um usually once the book was done and all the edits were done and they'd say, well, we don't need a book from you for six months. I'd be like, right, taking a month off. I'm going to go and play computer games and spend time with my family and uh, I'll be back in a month and write the other one. Um, yeah, I got down to the the, the idea that I can write a 100,000 word book in about two and a half months. So wow, I had it down pretty, That's pretty good. That's really fast. End. That's really fast. Yeah, I write about... If without pushing myself, I write about ten thousand words a week. Right. Um, if I can, if I push myself, I could probably do twenty thousand words a week. I did one month. I wrote a hundred thousand words in a month. And I'm never doing it again because it's hell. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I think the most I ever wrote in one day was about nine thousand words, and I'm not doing that again either because that sucked. Maybe less than that, about eight thousand, maybe, but it did suck. I don't think I wrote again the whole week. Um. And the thing is that I don't normally know what happens either, so I kind of plod along a bit and ah. just see what happens. I know where the book ends. Yep. I know how the book starts. I know the main plot points of the book. Right. And everything else I just make up as I go along. Oh, wow. Wow. Proper freestyle. <laughs> yeah. I, I, all of the world building is done to within an nth, like, I've got notebooks full of world building and character mm. creation and and you know stuff that's never going to make it onto the page at yes. any point like what people were doing 45 years ago and all this kind of stuff that's never even in the book um but i um i i don't I, i've tried to to make a timeline stick to it and my brain after about 10 minutes doing it goes no oh, let's do this instead and and it drives me potty so i don't do it anymore well if it works and you can do it and you can sustain it that's the thing for me yeah. I've, I've tried before where I, I kind of have a 
a daily word count of a thousand and a monthly word count of 20. That's my kind of goal. And if I go over, yeah. great. Um, a couple of months ago, I did 36 in a month, which is a lot for me, nearly double. But I almost burnt myself out and I had to take a week off because I yeah. thought, you know, that was really good, but there's no way I can do that again because it's going to cripple me. And do you never get burned out from working at such a ferocious pace? Uh, yes, which is probably why I take time off after writing the book. Yeah. Once I've written the book and, and, and sent it off, and yeah, I do tend to take a couple of weeks off and recharge and, mm. and chill out. And, and it's worked out quite well this year because the book will be finished and then the PS5 comes out. So uh, mm. that's worked out rather well for me mm. in the last two weeks of November because <laughs> I'm not doing any work. I, I will be doing as little as I can possibly get away with. And then I usually take time off over Christmas and New Year, like a month basically, Christmas right. to beginning of January. And then when the kids are off from school, I take some time off as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I don't work weekends. I don't write weekends if I can get away with it. My, right. I, I like to be able to not have to say to my kids, "Can you all just be shh for five minutes, <laughs> so that I can Daddy's write?" He's working. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't want them to be that. Oh God, Dad's working again. I'm going to be very quiet. Mm. Um, and I, actually, actually, I don't really need quiet to work because I have put I put my music on and just kind of um, crack on with it. Uh, but um. Yeah, I, I I try not to work when they're home from school. Uh, although, I, I, when considering they've been home from school for like five months this year, yeah, uh, I actually ended up needing to have to write before I lost my mind. <laughs> uh, I am not made to be a teacher, right? Yeah, I do not have the uh, the patience to explain in very simple terms things which I just know. And they don't know because they're eight and ten. Right. And, and my teenager knows more than I do because she's like a bloody genius. And um, uh, yeah, so the writing was my escape, I think, in 2020. For a lot of people as well, I assume. Oh, yeah. But I think that that we've all needed that. So um, that's worked out, I think. Hopefully. Mm. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. So your path to publication is pretty different from the usual one when I talk to people. It's all about... They write a novel, they hunt for an agent, and then they hunt for a publisher, and it can take years and years and years. But tell me about your path, because it's not typical at all. No, uh, my path's <laughs> a bit weird. Uh, <laughs> tell I, me. I, I, I wrote a book called um, I wrote a book called For Past Sins, which will never be published because it was rubbish. And I sent it out to agents, and I got lots of very nice rejection that's from oh well done you wrote a book <laughs> congratulations and then i wrote crimes against magic and sent that out to agents and then at some point doing it uh, a bunch of friends of mine authors all self-published and i put the book into the amazon breakthrough novel award which at the time um i don't even know if they still do it anymore but at the time the the, the winner got a deal with penguin i think or orbit or something like that and yeah. um and some cash and I got to the semi-finals, and then I lost, uh, which I'm fine about. I haven't, don't hold a grudge about it or anything. Um, <laughs> and then I thought, you know what? I'm going to self-publish this to Adams. And I self-published it, and uh, it did all right. I, I 
it, it, you know, that first month, I sold 28 bu- books in the first month. April 2012, it came out. I sold 28 books. And I was over the moon. I was like, I was, 28 people have bought my book. That is superb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then by the end of the year, I published the second book. And, and that 28 was now thousands of books. And um, the beginning of 2013, I got a phone call from who I thought were people taking the piss uh, to ask if I wanted to work with a publisher and come over so that they could we could work together and they would republish the first two books and I'd publish the rest of them. I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> who you are. Uh, this is clearly a joke. And uh, his name is David Pomerico. He now works for Harper Voyager as their um, commissioning editor, I think. Right. Developmental editor. editor. And, um, and yeah, it just, just kind of published with them and it just went from strength to strength to strength. And then the third book came out and um, someone said, do you have an agent? And I'm like, I do not. I should do that because honestly, when you know you get contracts from, from publishers and you read them and you're going, this is in English, right? <laughs> you're sure this is in English? Because it just, it's just whoosh. It sounded like the words, but when they put them together, you go... Yeah. And there's bits that seem to contradict other bits in the same. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't understand this at all. So uh, I sent the books around to a few agents, and uh, I got lots of thank you very much. It's very nice of you, but we're we're not taking you people, or it's not really something I'm interested in. And a friend of mine's agent, uh, Paul Lucas, uh, Gentle and Nesbit, he said, "Why don't you, why don't you go to Paul? He's he's looking for people." And I did, and Paul rang me up. And we spent an hour talking about whiskey and computer games <laughs> and uh, films. And at the end of it, we were like, we get on really well. We should work together. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Let's do that. And, uh, and then I had an agent. And he's been my agent since uh, 20, ooh, uh, 2014 now, about, about six years now, nearly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, and the publishing just, just, yeah, just kept on going and ticking over. Most people, I think, do it the opposite way to the way I did it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's it worked out well in the end, but it's I, I, I'm the first to admit that it's kind of a roundabout, weird way to uh, to get published and get an agent and yeah, mm-hmm. do the publishing bit first. It's a bit <laughs> strange, but um, but yeah, it's it worked out okay so far. So well, so far, touch you know, touch wood. And it's it's forty seven North, is that right? It is, yeah. The uh, they are the science fiction, fantasy, and horror arm of Amazon Publishing. Yeah. Um, they also have Thomas and Mercer, which is their crime imprint, and a couple of others as well. Um, and they they put they publish like George R R Martin and, and and a bunch of really big name fantasy authors. And um, yeah, they've been they've always been really uh, very supportive and, and and a good publisher. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I've been, it's been, it's weird. It's been, uh, oh, I've been with them now for nearly seven years and it's just absolutely flown by. It's been, it's been a bit of a bonkers ride. It's not been anything, anything I ever expected mm. being an author would be, if I'm honest. Yeah. How so? I was expecting like, I don't know, like just hiding away in a hovel, writing all the time <laughs> And then people yelling at you because it's not on time or the rest of it. But actually, it's been completely the opposite. It's been lovely. It's been a um, it's been a really nice 
you know, uh, it worked out well that the thing I wanted to do, I loved doing. Yeah. You know, it was the thing that I, when I was a kid and when I was in my early 20s, I wanted to do it. Um, and and it's turned out that the thing I, I, as a kid was like, this is what I want. This is my dream job. And it's turned out not only do I get to do my dream job, but my dream job actually rocks. Hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I like that. <laughs> not, many, not, not many people get to say that. As, as, as everyone keeps telling me, when I, when I left my job full time, I must have been told about 45 people. Not many people get to leave their job and do what they love. Yes, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> are you all miserable here? Probably they are, yeah. <laughs> yes, they probably were. Having worked there, yes, is the answer to that. Yeah. Uh, I when I told my dad I want to be a writer, he's like, "Well, that's nice, but we'll we'll get you another job, you know, a proper job first, and then, <laughs> you know, get you some actual skills, and then you can work on writing in parallel." Which is what I did for for the longest time. Worked in parallel, and and I still work part time now, but I'm I'm self employed, so it's a bit different. Yes. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've done this full time now for five years. Right. Um, and and so I, I worked full time and wrote full time for five years, and then have done this full time for five years. And looking back on it, I have no idea how I wrote anything and worked full time. Mm. I must have um, literally slept about two hours a day because there's no other way I can think of how I did it, and don't understand how my brain allowed me to do it. But um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's worked out. So that's nice. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> I think I had a lot less sleep when I was doing it. When I was working full time and writing, I would I would come home, have dinner, and then write, and yeah. just write until late into the night, and then just collapse into bed. Get up the next day, go to work, and come back yeah. and do that. And then you'd be right. I'd be writing on the weekends too to try and make up, you know, and progress and keep doing it. And um, yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, that was basically it. It was every every spare minute. I had to write. Um, yeah. So, so I'm glad that that's kind of not the case now. And it's different now that like we're both a bit older. I think we're of a similar age. But the fact that we've you know, you've got family now and you can't just spend an whole evening sat in your room writing. It's like, well, I can't, I can't yeah. just do that because I've got people I have to go and look after and deal with. Yes. And you can't just go, well, nah, nah, you know, whether you're on your own or you've got someone who's more understanding, then that's fine. But when things change, you can't yeah. just do it at the same pace. So, yeah, I, I my first book came out a couple of months before my youngest was born. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think if that if that I was doing that now, it would be much diff more di- much more difficult, much different now. Yeah, work full time, have a young family, and have to try and write full time. Then, so I had a young family then, but there were only two of them, and then the <laughs> third one came along. And the good thing about doing night feeds is. Uh, with, with Harley at least was she woke up she drank she had a feed and then she went back to bed and there was no bother and I was like this is great I'm just going to work <laughs> I'm just going to do some work thank you very much <laughs> so uh, night feeds were like yeah that's fine you just sleep brilliant thank you yeah yeah it's di- <laughs> the things we could do when we're younger we just can't yeah. do it <laughs> yeah can't do it now at the same pace you know mm. No. Going out, you should start at 10 o'clock. Now I'm like, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> 10 o'clock, I'm thinking, can't watch a whole film now. 
So no, it's too late. It's too late yeah, now to do a whole late. film. <laughs> Getting on. Anyway, uh, so moving on. Uh, I'll talk about characters because I don't think I've talked about anybody about this yet. So where do you start with building characters? Because when I when I did Battle Mage, I had, I had the main character already set up, but then I needed to fill certain roles. And so I kind of thought about that and thought about the kind of person and then thought about the story. Then based upon that, I built the characters. But how did you do it with that first book, obviously? And then you've built, obviously the world's grown massively from that, but where did you yeah. begin? And then how did you bring characters in as the story you know, progressed? Um, the, the first character, Nate, yeah. I, I kind of got down as good as I could possibly get in my head until I could just uh, switch him on and off. Mm. And because it's from his point of view, that made my life a little easier because everybody else has then kind of seen through his eyes. Yeah. Um, with with characters now, I tend to just, I don't know, it's, it's really strange. I, I tend to think, um, okay, I need this character to do this. This is the, the character I need to, to have who does this or has this job or mm. is uh, has this role within this book, uh, yeah. be it a friend or an adversary or, or whatever. Um, and then the first thing I do is decide on their name. And once I've got a name in my head, I can figure out, it's weird, the, the name almost builds the personality around it a little bit. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I know that they're going to be a bad guy, then I'm like, right, I want a name that will fit the, that person. So I'll find a name, and then that sort of shifts me where I need to go in the personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I find there's, there's a, 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 an online naming resource, fantasy naming generator. And literally, I just, I'm like, right, where is this person from? Now, if they're from our world, okay, let's say they're from the Scandinavian countries, yeah. right? Let's just refresh until I get a name from the Scandinavian countries <laughs> I like. That's a good name. That fits the idea of what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes I'll look up that name to see what it means because I don't want a name that's in there that's just like, okay, that's completely the opposite <laughs> of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, and then the characters just kind of form naturally in my head. I'll start to think, well, why would they do this? Why would they want... You know, are they the bad guy because they want money? Do they want power? Is it mm. revenge? Um, and uh, yeah, I, I have a character who who, who comes into the the Helicon books. His name is Remy, and he's a three and a half foot fox man. And he was a, a, a French aristocrat who pissed off a witch's coven, and they tried to kill him and turn him into a fox and give him to an English hunt. <laughs> and instead the spell went wrong and all of their souls got dumped inside Remy, who's now a fox, fox man. <laughs> um, and he, he, he puts up with this by swearing at everybody and threatening to stab people. And um, that was it. That was all I knew about <laughs> Remy. He, he's sarcastic, antagonistic, pain in the ass. And, um, and it just formed from there. It just came, well, you know, what's the sort of thing he would say? He would just tell everybody to fuck off. And 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 so from there, it's kind of that kind of formed how he would react to any one person at any one time. Mm. Um, I quite I like writing characters. I like creating characters. I like that kind of like this is who I want this to be. Let's see what I can do with it, sort of thing. Um, and it's just a natural in my head thing. 
Mm. Uh, a little bit like stories itself, I think. They, they, I'll just have an idea and then it's a similar sort of thing. I'll have an idea of something yeah, and then my brain will start thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and then I'll have a, at least a beginning or an end or something of a story. And characters are the same. I'll have a trait or I'll watch a film and I'll be like, yeah, I, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> and then it will form the character will form from there. And um, it, it's just it, it feels like an organic process. Yeah, I think that's to me. If I started being like, right, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to be this kind of person, mm. um, it wouldn't feel like an organic process. It would feel like I'm ticking boxes. Yeah, yeah. In my head, it would feel like I'm ticking boxes, whether or not it is on the page. Um, yeah. Uh, sometimes it hasn't worked, and there've been characters who have written. And by the time I've written the book and I've read it and I've, I've sent it off, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, they're not going to be in another book. I didn't really? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, there are characters I've, I've written into a book and I've liked the character and I've just kind of gone, you know, I have characters who I find more interesting who play a similar role. Right. Don't use you again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I find, I, I have done that a few times. I have killed off characters that I'm like, you know what, I've got nothing else for you to do. <laughs> You said your right. purpose. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you have done what you needed to do. Thank you very much for your service. Goodbye. <laughs> and uh, but that doesn't happen very often. Norm- normally, I know they're going to die from word one of the book. Have fans complained about you killing character? Because I've had that. I've had people come up to me and be like, "I can't believe you did that." I'm like, well, <laughs> "Oh dear." Well, mm, okay. <laughs> I've had fans say, "Please don't kill this character." Please don't, please don't kill this character. Please be nice to this guy. And I'm like, <laughs> you've read my books. I'm not nice to any of the characters that I like. So if they're heroic characters, there's a good chance that horrible things are going to happen to them. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I the, there's been, there's, I've had a few death scenes where I've had messages from people like, you made me cry. Why, why? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> that's right. I made you cry. That's what I like to hear. Um, yeah. No, to be fair, I think uh, 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 I've had a few people, but not not too many, thankfully, yet. We'll see. The last book's not out yet, and they haven't read what happened. So I might have to go into hiding in uh, in January. <laughs> so that'll be the third one of the Rebellion Chronicles. Mm. Uh, so then yeah. uh, my, my next question is, is what's next? You uh, you said recently today that you've been working on something for about five years, but uh, yeah, is that sort of yeah. doing these other books? You've been making notes and mm. having ideas and jotting stuff down. Yeah. Obviously, you can't tell as much, but I take it's not in the same world and it's something quite quite different. No, um, I I this year I wrote a book in a completely new world. Um, it, it's urban fantasy again, right. and. Uh, it was just I had this idea, and uh, and I had the idea kind of the beginning of the year, um, and it was something that's formed over a couple of years uh, from just a plain fantasy, uh, plain kind of crime thriller, kind of Jack Reacher esque kind of book right. to an urban fantasy. So I've written that, and I'm hoping to finish it this week. But the the epic fantasy, yeah, I've been working on that for know, five years ish now. Mm. it's been um it's been a long time coming it's been 
I've been making notes and world building and changing things and doing the timeline of the world and the characters and the magic system and, uh-huh. um, and, and, and changing kind of the, the main character hasn't really changed in who she, who she is. Yeah. Um, there's two main characters there's a man and, and a woman. The man's changed quite a lot, but the woman hasn't changed really changed at all. Um, just her situation has changed. Right. As I've been trying to figure out the best situation to dump her in at the beginning of the book and make her life as miserable as possible as soon as possible. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm planning. And I've got to write a novella as well, but um, a novella's only 30,000 words, so that's not awful. Um, I'll probably do that by the end of the year. So, um, in amongst other bits and pieces. So, yeah. Um, I'm quite looking forward to writing. I've never written a, a epic fantasy before, right? So uh, I'm quite—I quite like the idea of making my own stuff, so people can't tell me it's wrong. <laughs> Do you get that with the open fantasy? I do I've had people tell me that I've used the wrong type of gun, or the wrong type of ammunition for the wrong type of gun, right? Or that there's a road that I've written about that doesn't exist. That road, uh, and I'm like, well, it exists in my world. Yep. My, my, there's no magic in this world either so uh that, <laughs> yeah. that a bit different yeah um yeah but but someone can't say that mountain's not there well it is because i made it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that um but uh yeah i have had people say especially uh, guns is a big one especially mm. if i've written a gun wrong right I, I 100% find out about it within days of the book going out. Um, and I, the thing is, is that I do research it and, and check it and stuff. And I have people, friends of mine who are in the military and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and usually what happens is it will be a real thing. And I'll be like, I don't want to use the exact real thing. So I'll just put like a letter on the end of it or something. Right. And people are like, that's not a real thing. Well, no, it's not a real thing. I've made it up. <laughs> it's so not supposed to be. Uh, I, I've, made, I've given it a real name, but it's a made-up gun or sword or, uh, or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's just what it, it just comes with the, the territory of the, the job, I think. I wish I could uh, tell you you don't get it with, with the epic fantasy. <laughs> You still get well. Actually, with archery, you wouldn't do that. And no. I, I think I, I think I said I got the, the thing wrong with um, making weapons and being in a forge. I got that way wrong. And I spent a day making a sword, and I learned how wrong I was. And the smiths told me, and I'm like, okay, I done my research, but it wasn't enough. Going forward, I'll just do better. And that's that's all I can do. Yeah, with them. that's that's really all you can do. Um, I think. We all do our research and we all try to do as yeah. much as possible. But there's yeah, always yeah. going to be those things that slip through the cracks and we don't get it 100% right. We are, we are as, as, as a rule, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Yeah. Um, I have vast amount of completely useless and pointless information in my head about things that no one will ever need to know about. Yes. I needed it for one sentence in one <laughs> book five years ago. Um, yeah, so... So uh, and also in the UK we don't really have that kind of gun culture. No. So um, that's not really a a, um, a thing. So we've got that a bit different. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I do try to get them right most of the time. Um, I don't needlessly. <laughs> I don't be like, no, screw all of you. I'm doing it wrong. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we, well, as you say, we try our best, but we can't always get it yeah. 100%. So. We can't get it right all the time. No.